we see this as a container, a network of decentralized virtual spaces. Anyone can join from a startup to a, a scaled organization. So very, very curious to see how we integrate CX and EX and all of the variants of user experience as we explore what this world might look like. Hello, and welcome to the Business Innovation and Technology Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Rogers-Smith, and today we're going to be discussing the business opportunity in the metaverse. And because it's such a large topic, we're going to be breaking it up into two parts. So in part one, we're going to be discussing the definition and social implications of what it means for the metaverse. And to help me do that today, I'm joined by three very special guests. First, we have Pim DeWitt, the CEO of Metal.tv. We have Elizabeth Keener, Vice President of Enterprise Transformation at Capgemini Invent. And last but not least, we have Zayad Trabolsi, Director of Business Engineering here at Meta. So I'd love for you all, since it's all your first time on the, on the podcast, just to introduce yourself and, and tell us a little about yourself. And Pim, we'll start with you. Hi, my name is Pim DeWitt. I'm the CEO of Metal TV. Millions of gamers are using Metal to create and share memories online while they're physically apart using very short form recordings called clips. My background is in running uh, first when I was a teenager, the largest transcript private server on RuneScape, um, serving roughly 3 million players and then uh, going on to start Metal when I was about 20 years old and that's been about six years. So I'm excited to be here and looking forward to the conversation. Awesome, welcome. And you know, Elizabeth, tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, great to see you all. Elizabeth Keener here, based in the New York City area with Capgemini Invent. I am part of a practice called Workforce and Organization, and I'm also leading globally a new strategic offering within Capgemini called Reinventing Work. So as I think about defining the metaverse, that I think could be an essential component as we think about reinventing work. And although I spent the first half of my career largely focused on customer experience, I'm now turning my lens to employee experience and often see that the two customer experience and employee experience can be two sides of the same coin. So really excited about the conversation today and what we uncover as we integrate CX and EX to see how we might use technology to transform our experiences at work and at play going forward. Thank you. And lastly, Zayed. Hi, everyone. Uh, hi, Jordan. Thanks for having me. So I started uh, as a teenager to uh, write uh, software for mobile devices. And since then, I, I've just been hooked on engineering work in general. And I've been uh, at Meta, previously Facebook, for a bit less than 12 years now. I'm currently supporting Reality Labs business engineering teams on infrastructure, devices, and apps. And I'm really excited to be here today to discuss the metaverse. At Meta, I really see the metaverse as the natural evolution for the company that will help us be closer to the mission to connect people in ways that were never done before. And so I think we're going to kick straight off, really. And, and Zayed, since you just mentioned it, there, I'm going to come straight back to you. And for those who have heard the topic of the metaverse, you know, it's become a very hot topic in the media and you know for discussion overall. But really, for those who haven't necessarily got anything more than a superficial understanding like really what does that word actually mean all of us have been you know discussing and hearing about metaverse maybe for the last year although the, the, the word itself was coined in the early 90s essentially the metaverse the, the way we see it and everyone will have a slightly different definition it's the next evolution of technology of social technologies and technology in general that will serve as the successor of the mobile internet so essentially with augmented reality and virtual reality 
the creation of the metaverse will allow for virtual spaces, immersive 3D experiences that are interconnected and that will allow someone to interact with the metaverse itself or with other people on the metaverse that aren't in the same physical space as, as you. So it's not about replacing in-person experiences, but it's more about making what we do online better and a lot more meaningful. And to add this sense of presence and this feeling of proximity and being close to one another, uh, regardless of physical distance. So to bring that to our online experiences. Sure, Isaiah, just picking up on what you said about presence, I think the metaverse has huge potential to include feelings like emotion and bring space and speech and gesture, even perhaps touch and smell into the experience. What's most interesting to me from a business perspective is that the metaverse represents a strategic economic shift that will generate business opportunity in practically every sector. And as you mentioned, uh, we see this as a container and, and as you also mentioned, a network of decentralized virtual spaces. And they could be anyone can join from a startup to a, a scaled organization so very, very curious to see how we integrate CX and EX and all of the variants of user experience as we explore uh, what this world might look like. What is the metaverse? I've heard this debated uh, many times. And the best definition that I've, I've heard so far that I can relate to a lot is that the metaverse is a point in time, not necessarily a place, on each individual level where someone starts deeply caring about their digital self and appearance as part of their identity. The reason why this feels more imminent now is for two reasons. One, with COVID, everyone expressed themselves through the digital identity a lot more than they used to. And they hung out in online spaces and games a lot more than they used to. And so their digital self became part of their identity because that's how they connected with people. And secondly, for an entire generation, games are the most social medium of engagement. I think if you ask most people whether they prefer games or feeds, right? Almost everyone spends most of their meaningful time with friends in games. And they don't they don't spend them unnecessarily on static feeds or like 2D apps. It's it's immersive worlds where they can have fun with their friends and create memories. So it's a time in someone's life individually where their digital identity becomes part of how they look at themselves. And that just happened to be accelerated for an entire generation. Usually this inflection point is asynchronous, so it's different for everyone. And then during COVID, that inflection point towards the metaverse, all of a sudden it became synchronized for the entire planet. And that is why I think we've, we've sort of moved forward and that's what we're feeling today. So I think the point on GamesPim is a very interesting one. And most people who aren't familiar or, or deeply knowledgeable about the metaverse their first mental model is going to go to oh well that's just a gaming thing you know that's just you know it's it's just a thing where people go and they play games together that brings up two very interesting questions and the first is that for people that think like that and that are non-gamers like how do you get them to understand what the metaverse is but on the flip side for that for people that who who are gamers that you know deeply understand it how do you get them to be accepting and become acclimated to the non-gamers that you know eventually will end up in the metaverse? So, like, how do you how do you see that, and how do you think about that potential tension that that could arise? So, essentially, uh, with um, in the in the 90s, a lot of computing was first used by gamers, and most platforms in computing in general for the past 50, 60 years 
initially are adopted by gamers as early adopters and then generally make their way to other usage for entertainment and, and for work and productivity and for the general population. So, you know, back 30 years ago, when games started to become popular, we never imagined 30 years, years down the line that everyone would be using the mobile internet and use it in our everyday life. So I do think that a lot of the metaverse and a lot of virtual reality technologies and augmented reality to a certain extent with Pokemon Go a couple of years ago that really paved the way of, of AR, it's maybe not possible for us to see how it's going to make its way to the general population and to other applications, but it, it definitely will. It's not a matter of will it happen, it's a matter of when it will happen. I also think that as we move beyond the classical forms of collaboration using tools like Teams or Zoom or Google Hangouts, people will find ways to collaborate in the metaverse and perhaps create avatars or their own digital twins to be able to interact in 3D virtual workspaces. In addition, as we all know, there's huge implications for the metaverse when we think about employee onboarding as well as training and giving people training experience that isn't just watching static videos in a moment in time, but giving an environment for people to practice their skills. And that's how you actually reach a point of more profound capability building, which could also be, of course, gamified and made competitive as well. So there's a lot of far-reaching implications as to where this might stretch, even looking into the educational domain or upskilling uh, within corporate settings. I think a lot of it is also how you connect with people that have sort of crossed that point in time where they care about their digital identity. So for example, I, you know, I, I play Rocket League with my nephew very often. I have more memories with him inside the game than outside the game because I live across the country. A lot of what I think is going to onboard people into this, this metaverse space is actually how people connect. It's the same thing why Facebook worked. It's how a new generation of people connect with each other. I think we'll see that sort of natural blend over the years as different pieces of content come out that kind of engage different people. And that point will happen for everyone at some points. And that becomes the preferred medium of connection. That's why where you'll see the two blend. And so Pim, sort of what things do you see already occurring in gaming communities that, that are doing this well already? Like what are the trends that you think are, are great today that will continue on to enable this? acclimatization to, to be successful? A large part of your identity is because it helps you connect with, with like-minded other people. Most of the people that I've met in my life have been people that I'm still friends with today. I would say probably 90% of them I've met through video games. The most obvious places are companies like Roblox that are facilitating places where people can hang out. Uh, Discord is another, for example, great example. It's where you can project your, your digital identity onto an experience that feels like something that you and the people that, that you care about are interested in. So Roblox, Minecraft, like these are these are the prime examples of companies that, that really understand digital spaces and where people love to hang out. So I kind of look at it as three separate types of sort of activities in the metaverse. I think the sports fields, which is games like Rocket League, League of Legends, where the whole social graph and people's identities revolve around skill. Then I believe you have, and I believe Matthew Ball coined this word, you have, you have malls, like content malls, which are like Roblox and Minecraft, where basically it replaces the, the ability to hang out and to go place with your friends. And the last one is the cinema, which is, um, you know, single player narrative games where you can just get lost. And I think we'll see more sort of direction towards those three genres of games all have different solutions, different ways to express themselves. 
But the first one where I believe the metaverse is, is, is like most alive is in those mall areas, those Robloxes, those Minecrafts, where it basically has replaced hanging on real life for a lot of people. Elizabeth, I'd love to come back to a point you, you mentioned just before around the social networks, whether they're in the real world in terms of the social network you have at work, but also in the virtual world with the people that you interact with and engage with in, in the spaces that you have in common. And so what role do these social networks play in continuing to build the metaverse? And, you know, Elizabeth, I'd love to get your take to start with on, on what this means for actual work and the future of work and how those two concepts come together to actually you know, produce more than, than they are separately. Yeah, that's a great question. I think if you think about what I will call a social business network like LinkedIn and how much many professionals rely on it and keep it open like uh, in their browser window practically all day, if you could bring that LinkedIn reality into the metaverse and say, rather than seeing you know static articles that you wrote or moment in time comments or posts, how might we collaborate more profoundly together? So I think that if you apply the concept of the metaverse to social networks, particularly in a business setting, it has the opportunity to bring uh, greater consilience across industries and people, and I think open up opportunities for radical collaboration that we maybe have never seen before. And as we're coming out of the pandemic and many organizations choose to continue to operate in a hybrid or fully remote way. This opens up, of course, the possibility for companies to hire employees literally all over the world. And what greater way for people to collaborate in a more meaningful way than on a video call than to actually get into an experience together. Like the thing that I miss the most about being in an office is being able to like whiteboard and set up a war room and like go crazy brainstorming on, on a project or a business problem that of course you can try to replicate that using Miro or Mural, but I think that could be even more rich and, and we could create um, those experiences in, in a much more deep and profound and meaningful way leveraging the metaverse and and perhaps even bringing in people outside in an extended ecosystem beyond like the four walls of or the FTEs of our own company uh, to bring and, and add into that gathering. I agree, uh, especially on the point like post-pandemic. One thing that was very clear uh, when the pandemic started, you know, a bit over two years ago is how important the need to be together and how our social needs are are high, like even higher than we thought when everyone was just isolated at home and, and figure out of ways to connect. And obviously the internet was instrumental in staying connected. What was very clear also, it, it wasn't quite the same to, to be you know, on video conferencing and, and chatting all day. There was like a core element that was missing. So this is what I think the metaverse will be able to bridge uh, from a social perspective, whether it's at work or or in a non-work set, uh, setting. So definitely, if you think of chatting in, VR, in virtual reality and uh, b being in a business meeting you know, with uh, six, seven people in the same virtual room and being able to glance left and right to see people differently based on where they are in this virtual room, to be able to go up, stand on the wall, stand next to a wall and write, or lean into the table, lean back, have a side conversation, all of these things that are impossible to do in regular video chatting will be possible in the metaverse and will really augment this reality and uh, add the sense of presence to, to our discussions. 
also from a social perspective, instead of just hanging out, whether it is a game or uh, just uh, chatting with someone uh, with video or voice conferencing, uh, if you're instead able to be in the same physical space, like a familiar physical space that you designed, for example, hang out with someone virtually, it's just such a, a stronger experience than what's available today. One of the things we've touched on, this notion of, of identity, you know, we have, as has been mentioned, you know, we have the metas and the LinkedIn's of the world where you are, you know, your, your general true self online. But then you also have, you know, the, the other end of the spectrum where you have completely anonymous social networks, where it is the collective enjoyment of the thing that you're engaging in that, that brings you together and the identity is, is less important. So as we think about the metaverse and, and Ziad, I'd, I'd love your take on this first. It's like, what impact is, is pseudo anonymity going to have? And are there any examples that are out there already or things that we can learn from? about communities that are doing this well and how we should think about this. From the perspective of you know, seeing where the internet was 30 years ago and where it was today, initially everything on the internet was anonymous. It was, people uh, you know, wouldn't even conceive of writing their, their full name uh, online. And obviously this has evolved quite significantly today. And we went from being represented online through pseudonym or username to using our profile pictures, static profile pictures with our real name, and in the future, and, and, and really today, what we can expect is to have avatars that are either photorealistic or not, that allow people to fully express themselves in the way they want to express themselves, to live and to transport themselves across different metaverses while carrying over the, their acquired gear along the way. Like if you buy an NFT, you put it on a t-shirt, it's yours, and you can carry it uh, around wherever you are. I think the pseudo-anonymity and anonymity in general is going to be quite important to have in these digital spaces, especially if you're in a metaverse that is fully public. But at the same time, it's really important to create a safe environment. And this is why Meta is very invested for Horizon World to create the right mechanisms for people to feel safe online and to be able to, to you know, block other people or create a two-meter distance so no one comes close to your, your physical space. There's going to be anonymity that is sacred, but at the same time, the safety element should not be ignored. To me, pseudo-anonymous like, expression through names, it's an Instagram filter for how you express yourself through your name. If you look at how people play games, if people have the ability to, especially in Roblox and Discord and like Rocket League, for example, like, people change their names all the time and they do it to be part of meme culture. So in an environment where you already have kind of limited ways to like express your identity, name is the closest form of expression that you have to connecting with others that is always visible. So if you're trying to connect with others using your pseudonymous identity, it's you change your your name to something that you think people will think is funny or you think people will think uh, helps them connect with you. So for me, like pseudonymous identity is merely an Instagram filter for your identity, depending on where you find yourself in the metaverse. I have probably 10 different pseudonymous names in different games because they, all the meta is different, right? The, the culture, the meme culture is different. And I, so pseudonymous identity is the only way, in my opinion, that, that we connect with each other because it is how we learn to connect on the internet. The second part to that is that uh, one of the things that's really interesting that's happening, for example, uh, in blockchain is that there are entire communities that are financially performing together with complete anonymity or pseudo uh, or pseudonymous aliases and their entire trust system revolves around like the proof of work that they've done whether it's their github commits their 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 sort of on-chain comments what they've written 
And so what this means is that everyone has an opportunity in the metaverse. It's a leveling ground, right? If your identity is tied to what you can do as opposed to who you are, it makes a lot of things better. And, and maybe it makes, you know, maybe it also makes some things less good. But that is how I look at, at pseudonymous identity. As we think about name as well, I think that the gender implications can be interesting. Do people want to show up as male, female, gender neutral? I think I'm curious to see how that manifests in this reality as well. As a woman, I would be personally interested in doing an experiment to see how I would be perceived differently, either appearing as a man or in some gender neutral way. So I think there'll be some interesting uh, social experiments that we can do uh, in the metaverse as well. And so for my final question for the episode today, I want to go around each one of you and, and leave us with what is the the trend that's being accelerated that excites you the most about the metaverse. It could be a long way off. It might not be here today, but I'd love to get a sense uh, ahead of our next episode where we're discussing the opportunities and really the applications in the metaverse. To For, for each one, what is that trend that, that you can see coming on the horizon that gets you really excited about the metaverse? So, you know, Ziad, uh, I'd love to start with you. I'm really interested in uh, human-computer interaction uh, in general. And I really think uh, as part of the metaverse fully coming to life, there's going to be an emergence of a next-generation computing platform that will allow us to interact with it in a novel way. So for example, uh, some of the tech that uh, Meta has presented so far with haptic gloves that allow you to feel texture and the sense of touch in your hand, and you know you can be uh, carrying an object in the metaverse in a virtual world and you can feel it in your hand. Uh, I'm like, really excited about the opportunities that this brings in terms of sensations as part of the uh, being in, in, in these virtual worlds. And I think there's also going to be a lot more uh, there at you know being able to interact with uh, physical spaces in ways that we cannot interact with right now. For example, with uh, you know electromagnetic uh, analysis of, of signals happening from your brain to your limbs, uh, we're able to pick up on these signals and then control hardware uh, with that. So it's just like two examples that are really mind blowing, and then you know will probably change over the next uh, years and, and decades uh, how we even deal with computers. Yeah, I'm very curious about new opportunities for learning and development. I feel like the pandemic was a great opportunity for schools and universities to really transform. And I don't know that we fully took advantage of that. So I'm curious to see how education interactions and giving people meaningful space to be able to practice what they learn can get shaped uh, within a more social sphere and, and using this technology Beyond that, I think as I apply the metaverse to more of a business setting, uh, looking at retail and the possible implications to create experiences and luxury and fashion and the art sector can be really profound, as well as extending some of that training and ability to practice to engineering and manufacturing and industries like that, um, that can do everything from virtual training to, to learning, to onboarding, to giving people uh, a chance to see how, how to operate uh, some hev heavy machinery or equipment that they may not have easy or ready access to. And then of course, in healthcare, um, there's huge implications. And, and for many years in, in the healthcare industry, we've been talking about digital twins and the like. So I think this will create more lifelike training and the ability to really enhance patient experience um, in meaningful ways. 
So our mission is to help people create memories while they're physically apart. And the interesting thing about the metaverse specifically is that in the real world, you have to pull out your phone in order to capture a moment, which means you largely miss the moment itself through your own eyes. In the metaverse, because most of it is rendered on hardware, that actually means that the hardware can, for example, capture for you and you don't have to miss the moment itself. Some of the things that we're working on is, for example, computer vision to detect when the key things are happening when you and your friends are playing, which means that you can experience things and you don't have to miss the moment itself in order to create meaningful memories, which is like distinctly different from real life, which is why I think it's interesting to point it out. The second thing, which is more macro, is that for an entire generation, uh, gaming and social are the same thing. And if you look at different generations growing up, like every generation is more inclined to play games. Uh, it's a blank space for builders. There are so many different applications that are going to be built uh, for that generation where gaming equals social. And um, yeah, I would just encourage everyone to go out and build stuff. And I'm really excited to, to dig into a lot more of this in the, in the next part of our of our series on the metaverse. So that, that's all we have time for today. So I do want to thank uh, you know, Zayad, Pim, and Elizabeth for joining us today. There will be links in the show notes to any content or, or things we made reference to throughout the episode. And I just want to leave us by saying thank you for listening to the Business Innovation and Technology Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review.